Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to focus in on the first six verses this morning. Proverbs 3, and as we read through the first six verses, I want you to see, I want you to look to see if you can pick out the pattern that is developing in these six verses, because there is a distinct pattern. So Solomon, writing to his son, says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. You know, there is a direct correlation between the requirement and the result, between the effort and uh, what takes place. Well known, you know, through life. When I was a child, late elementary, I wanted to play the piano, and I talked to my, talked my parents into buying a piano so I could do piano lessons, learn how to play the piano. And they did. And I had a few piano lessons, but <clears throat> it... Um, Never really caught on, because as I was supposedly in there practicing the piano, I was thinking about all the fun that everybody was having outdoors, playing ball, running around the neighborhood or whatever. And so I never put the effort in to practice, to learn how to play, play the piano. And so here I am, all these years later, and I still cannot play the piano. Somebody says, oh, I'd love to win an athletic award, you know, most valuable player or whatever it is. Well, the question is, are you willing to put the practice and the effort and the time it takes to uh, develop that particular talent in whatever sport it is uh, to be able to excel? Somebody who says, uh, I want to be in good physical shape. Okay, it's, a, it's a good goal, but are you willing to eat right? And to exercise to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Someone says, I would like to have uh, some money, a nice nest egg to protect me. The question is, are you willing to work hard to earn a paycheck and then to discipline yourself to manage your money well to be able to build that nest egg? And so we often in life can see the, the correlation between the requirement and the results between the effort that it takes and then what are the uh, lasting uh, results of that effort. Well, in this passage of Scripture, what Solomon is saying to his son is there, there are some instructions, some requirements here. And if you do that, there are some distinct uh, results in that. We see the instruction in the odd verses, verses 1, 3, and 5, first part of verse 6, and we see the results in the even number verses, verses 2, 4, and the end of verse number 6. 
So what are the results? Well, we'll look at the results and then we'll go back and look at what are the requirements? What is the instruction to get those results? So in verse 2, Solomon says, For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. So he says, length of days, what's he talking about here? He is not saying that if you do what's in verse 1, that you will magically now have more hours in a day. Okay? So if you're faithful to what's in verse 1, that maybe you'll get 28 hours a day or 29 hours a day when everybody else only gets 24 hours a day. No, what he's talking about is productivity. In other words, you will be more productive in the 24 hours that you have. What else is there? Well, long life, longevity. If you do what's in, follow the instruction in verse 1, then there is a general rule of life that you will likely live longer on this earth than if you ignore what is in verse number 1. And then peace. You will have peace. Shalom. It is the inner quality of satisfaction or fulfillment in life, if you do what's in verse 1. Well, now we jump down to verse 4. He says, So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. So you're going to find favor and understanding from God and even from man. The approval of God, the respect of man. And then in the end of verse 6, the final result that we're going to focus on here, and that is that he, that is God, shall direct thy path. Now as we look at those results, productivity, longevity, fulfillment in life, uh, respect and honor of, from God and the respect of man, God's leading in our life, I would say most of us would say that's something that I would cherish. That's something that I would love to have. Well, the question is, are you willing to fulfill and follow the instruction that brought about these results? Or are we like myself when I was in fifth grade not willing to put the effort in to learn how to play the piano, always wanting to know how to play the piano. Well, what are those instructions? Well, let's look at those instructions today and um, see what Solomon, the instruction he's giving to his own son and certainly to us, as to how we can get the various results, productivity, longevity, fulfillment in life, the approval of God, the respect of man, and God's leading in our life. Well, instruction number one, again, is found in verse 3. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Instruction number one is simply this. Set God's word as the foundation for your life. Set God's word as the foundation for your life. And you know there's a lot of... Um, the things that are uh, vying for your allegiance, various philosophies of life, worldviews, maybe the atheistic worldview that says, believe in only that which you can see. 
Believe in the truth, that truth is not found in revelation, but only through scientific investigation. And so in their mind, there is no room for God. There's a postmodernist worldview that says, there is no absolute truth, whatever you believe is fine, truth for you, truth for me, whatever. There is the materialistic worldview that says, he who dies with the most toys wins. And so the entire life is set on just gaining the material wealth of this world. And that's the ultimate. There is the uh, rebel who forsakes the faith to indulge in uh, sinful behaviors. And so their theory and their motto is, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. There's the selfish worldview that says, take care of number one. You're the most important. And so there's this preoccupation with self. And all of these worldviews are competing for what Solomon is saying, is set God's word as the foundation for your life. But it's only the Bible, it's only the word of God that gives us true meaning in life. Why are we here? What is our purpose? Where are we going? And young people, what we need to do is set God's word as the foundation for our life. Now, remember, the proverb is a general rule of life. God, in his sovereignty, will may overrule this particular rule. Okay? He, there may be an individual who loves God, doing their best to follow God's word and, and live according to his will, and God, in his grace and mercy and love and sovereign rule, may take that person home early. Tragic accident, illness, war, or whatever. And on the other hand, there may be an individual who ignores the word of God, lives a wild and reckless lifestyle, abuses their body with drugs and alcohol, and, and uh, just lives for self and ignores everybody else, ignores uh, health of their body, and that individual may live to be a long, uh, may, may live a long time. My grandfather on my dad's side was an individual who, again, abused his body all his life with alcohol, he smoked, lived a selfish lifestyle, and lived to be 93. Those are exceptions. The fact of the matter is, if you live like that, likely you will live a shorter life, and if you follow what God's Word has to say, you'll live a longer life. When I was in high school, I went to a public school, and I had a number of friends, uh, many of them that were unbelievers. One particular individual was a guy by the name of Mike. Played football with Mike, ran track with Mike, Mike lived a wild, reckless lifestyle. I mean, his, his whole aim is to get to the weekend so they could spend the weekend drinking. We had uh, our senior year, just the week before graduation, we had a senior skip day. It was a quasi-approved uh, day um, that the seniors would uh, leave campus and head somewhere. And this particular day, we were heading from Holton Lake, Michigan, up to Traverse City, Michigan, the Sleeping Bear uh, Sand Dunes. 
And uh, we arrived, set up for a picnic, the senior class, and Mike and several guys in his car arrived, and they were already drunk. It's amazing they got there. Well, they couldn't really participate. They were too drunk, just laid around underneath a shade tree somewhere. At the end of the day, we got together and said, you know, how are we going to get Mike home and his guys uh, without them killing themselves on the highway and somebody else? And so we divvied the, the guys up into various cars. One of the other guys drove Mike's car home. A week later, we had commencement or graduation, high school graduation. Following high school graduation, I immediately went to summer camp Worked at Kobiak for the summer, summer camp ended, came here to Maranatha, and uh, really I lost track of all of the, my senior classmates uh, that were in that high school. Fast forward now, 30 years later, I am at my parents' home in Holton Lake and uh, picked up the local newspaper, the Holton Lake Resorter, we often refer to it as the Holton Lake Disorder, but uh, I read through the Holton Lake Resorter just to kind of get an idea of what was going on in the town. And I came across an advertisement in that newspaper, and what it was was a memorial to Mike. And Mike had passed away. It was a 30-year memorial. And as I'm looking at that and doing the calculations, sure enough, 30 years ago, that was when I graduated from high school. And so as I asked around, found out that just within weeks of that high school graduation, Mike was killed in an alcohol-related automobile accident that summer. And again, it comes right out to this, uh, what Solomon is saying here is, if you want to live long, if you want to be productive, and if you want to have fulfillment in life, set God's word as the foundation for your life. And another young man, name is Tim, grew up in a good local church, strong home, attended Bible college for his first year, did not return, but decided to stay home, get a job, initially was faithful in his attendance at that local church, but his attendance began to drop off, from, began to become more sporadic, and after a while, God was not a part of his life. No local church. His marriage fell apart. Disenfranchised from his children. And now, after several suicide attempts, found himself depressed, in a mental ward, struggling to, to get through life. Again, set God's word as the foundation for your life. If that's what you want, or that's the results that you want of productivity and longevity and peace. Set God's word as the foundation for your life. Well, there's a second instruction that I see here, and that is verse number three. It says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bound them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thy heart. Instruction number two is this. Stand, stand firm for truth, with a kind spirit. You'll notice two words there, that is mercy and truth. And we see them combined together uh, in Scripture, in fact, in the Old Testament at least ten times, and even refers to the coming Christ 
as we see mercy and truth come together. And those are vital, those, that connection of truth and mercy. Some people stand firm for truth, but have such a cantankerous spirit that they can't get along with anyone. On the other hand, there are those who have great mercy and kindness, but they have uh, no truth to guide that kindness and no truth to guide that mercy. And there is no particular compass in which to, to send them along the way. Truth and mercy go together. And when you stand for truth, but you do it with a kind spirit and a firm, loving spirit, what that does is certainly get the approval of God and the respect of man. Well, there's a third instruction that I see in here, and that is verse 5. The writer, Solomon, says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Those are amazing verses. If you'd ask me in my younger years, uh, what are your life verses? That's what I would tell you. I have some old Bibles that have now since been retired, and there imprinted on the front of that Bible are these two verses. There's some very active words here. There is the word trust. Trust refers to reliance on the integrity, strength, and ability of a person or a thing. The ability for us to trust God. Now, I am blessed with 11 grandchildren. I told my kids I wanted a dozen. We're almost there. And oftentimes, we'll uh, spend time with the grandkids. And I remember one time where I was in a pool, and uh, my little, son, uh, little grandson, Grayson, who is now six, but at that time he was four, I said, hey, Grayson, jump into Grandpa's hands. I was in the pool. Grayson was on the side, side of the pool. And I could see little Grayson's uh, wheels turning inside. Grayson had to determine a couple of things. A, can Grandpa catch me? Or is it the type of thing where I leap, he leaps off the side of that pool into Grandpa's arms and then both of us sink down to the bottom of the pool? And secondly, he has to determine, will Grandpa catch me? Will uh, Grayson leap off the side of the pool and then I'll say, ha, just kidding, and watch Grayson flounder in the water. It is only when Grayson comes to the conclusion in his little mind that, yes, Grandpa can catch me, and Grandpa will catch me, Grandpa will do what he just said he will do, will Grayson leap from the side of that pool into my arms? And that's exactly what he did. And you know, when we come to the place where we trust God to run our lives better than we could run it ourselves, that's what Solomon is talking about here. So what is the instruction? The instruction is surrender to God's providential leading in our life. Not only is there the word trust, 
there is the word acknowledge. That, that word means to be aware of and to know of and have fellowship, to acknowledge God in our life that he is the most important and I'm going to trust him. Solomon says, don't lean on your own understanding because it's so limited. You can't, uh, you don't, you can't control everything. Trust in God who can control everything. Well, I'm sure you understand that God works in two different ways, through miracles and through providence. In a miracle, God suspends the normal laws of nature to accomplish his purpose. It has no natural explanation. And we see a lot of examples in Scripture. God parted the Red Sea. That is a miracle. God suspended the normal laws of nature. He spared the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. That was a miracle. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Sometimes we use that word miracle and it really isn't a miracle. Somebody says, hey, I, gotta, I aced that test. It was a miracle. I couldn't believe it. Well, it wasn't that God necessarily suspended the natural laws of nature. But in a miracle, God does that. But we also see where God works through providence. Providence is where God orchestrates billions of details of life to accomplish his purpose. Normal details of life. We see a great example of that of Joseph in Genesis. Joseph was favored by his father, despised by his brethren, sold into slavery, purchased by Potiphar, tempted by Potiphar's wife, thrown into prison. He meets the butler and the baker, the king of Egypt. He interprets their dreams. A couple years later, Pharaoh has a dream. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. He prepares Egypt for a major famine. He he preserves Egypt and his family. And we see God working in an amazing way here through the normal life. Billions of details of life here in this particular story. In fact, in Genesis chapter 50, Joseph says, But as for you, you thought evil unto me, but God meant it unto good. God working in the life. And so oftentimes what we do is we give verbal assent to the fact that, yes, I gotta, I, I have, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to acknowledge him not going to lean onto my own understanding, but I have to make sure everything happens. I have to control everything. And the fact of the matter is, we can't control everything. It's not possible. Now, we have to do our part. We have to do what uh, we can do to prepare and to, to discipline ourselves and to strategize and and map out, but the fact of the matter is we still have to trust God. And we do that, God's promise to lead and guide and direct. When I graduated from Maranatha, I went to a seminary down in Chattanooga, Tennessee. 
When I got down there, I knew I needed a job to support myself. We had a, a house that we were renting. There's a couple of other guys. I had tuition payments I had to make, had food, you know, had to live. And I had worked at a grocery store uh, through my high school years and uh, sporadically through college uh, at a vacation, at a you know, Christmas break or whatever. The owner would say, hey, yeah, you could come and work for a couple of weeks or whatever. And uh, so when I started thinking I needed to find a job, that's the first thing that came to my mind is the grocery business, a grocery store. There were three grocery store uh, chains in the East Tennessee area where uh, we lived, Red Bank, Tennessee. There, is, there were Kroger's, which is a national chain. It was Union. And they paid the best, in fact, about double minimum wage. It was, uh, then there was a giant food store chain, well-known in the, that area of the country. And uh, they were a union, and not quite as high-paid as um, Kroger, but they still paid well. And then there was the Red Food Store, which is a non-union, and they paid basically minimum wage for starting workers. So as I am thinking this through, I'm thinking, where do I want to apply first? Well, I said, I'm going to Kroger. Because I could, uh, you know, make more money at Kroger than I would at the other two stores. And so I went into the uh, local Kroger store, had my application resume, met with the manager, we talked for a little while, and his very words were this, this looks really good. I think I have a slot for you, but let me check with the home office and HR there, and I'll let you know. Stop by tomorrow. So the next day, I stopped by there, saw the manager. He said, I would love to hire you, but there's a hiring freeze on. I just cannot do so. And I remember walking out of that uh, store across the parking lot to get to my car thinking, Lord, why not? And I would have made more money than I've ever made in my life and uh, still have time to study and all that. But I said, well, there are two more. So I went to the giant food store and I met with the manager, talked with him. In fact, he took me around the store, introduced me to a couple of the guys that were working in that store, had a conversation with them. And uh, he said the almost identical thing that the Kroger manager said, and that is, I think I have a slot for you, but let me check, and I'll get back with you. He did get back with me and said, I would love to hire you, but I just can't right now. They're not allowing me to. I said, okay, Lord, there's the red food store, minimum wage, but let's see what happens. So I walked into the store, met with the manager, gave him my application, my resume. He talked with me for a little bit and said, you want the job? You got it. We'll work out the paperwork and you can start this week. I said, thank you. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking it would have been a lot better at Kroger making double what I was there at Red Food, but it's still a job. What I didn't realize is that what was taking place in the grocery business in the East Tennessee area at that time, and that is within a couple of months, Kroger closed two of their stores in that area, 
and anyone with less than two years seniority was laid off from those, uh, that area, from the Kroger stores in that area. The entire giant food store chain went out of business. And now, all these uh, customers are now coming into the red food store, and uh, the business is just going crazy, and they're hiring like crazy, and uh, I had several promotions in just the first few months, along with the uh, pay raises that went with those promotions, and if you'd have said to me, if I had to lean on my own understanding, I would say, I am going to go work for Kroger. But in allowing God to lead and guide and direct, open the doors and close the doors and be right where God wants me to be, I had a job that helped me through that uh, seminary time and pay the bills. And the fact of the matter is, young people, we, we're not in control of so much. We think, yeah, I'll, I'll be able to control life and I'll be able to do, you know, make sure it happens just the way I want it. And the fact is, you will not. Because much of what takes place in life is outside of your control. But when you surrender to God's providential leading and say, okay, Lord, you lead, I'll follow, I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm not going to simply lean on my own understanding. I'm going to trust you. At that point, God has promised to lead in our life. And so we looked at a number of uh, key results that we saw in our passage. That is um, productivity, longevity, fulfillment in life. We looked at the approval of God and the respect of man and God's leading in our life. If we want those results then we need to follow the instruction that uh, leads to those results. Set God's word as the foundation for your life. S uh, stand firm for truth with a kind spirit. Surrender to God's providential leading in your life. Lord, thank you for the instruction. Help us, Lord, to focus on that instruction. May you encourage our hearts, challenge us. May we stand Stand firm for truth with a kind, kind spirit. Set your word as the foundation for our life. Surrender to your providential leading in our lives. We'll give you the praise in Christ's name. Amen.